Hey everybody, how's it going? How is everybody's week going? Hopefully pretty good already. It's a, It's been an interesting week. You guys sent me a lot of questions this week, more so than normal and a lot about the same thing. So we're gonna talk about that in a second. But before we get started, I always like to take a second and thank everyone who uh, supports the channel, either through buying t-shirts, watching the videos, uh, clicking thumbs ups, you know, uh, sharing, um, Patreon, and of course the patron sponsors of the live show, which is Charles Keen, uh, Chris uh, Glaze, Dylan87, Bradulist, Zachary Rowe, Bruce Garris, Jeff Howes, We Back Tracks, John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Maybe, Lawrence Petros from LPD Pedals, and David Madison. Uh, thank you again, guys. And they're also eligible for the week or the monthly hangouts, which I will be making an announcement to you guys about the fact that we'll probably do it early since it's into year. I want to do another one before the month's over instead of waiting to the 1st of January. So I'll let you guys know about that. And um, uh, Ian wants to let me know, hello from Colorado. Hello, Colorado. And I have coffee through uh, a Prince's Cup uh, because sometimes it's the last coffee cup. <laughs> you guys might relate. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the kids aren't doing the dishes like they're supposed to. Um... So, a couple things. Let's get into it. I want to address the questions you guys asked this week, but not right this minute. I just want to back, move this, if that's better. Um, we'll hit some questions real fast. Uh, and then uh, if if we guys tackle those questions, we'll bring them up. Otherwise, we'll, we'll talk about what you guys were sending in. Um, first one, Maddie. Did you see the Anderton's video of the Dan Electro guitars? What did you think of the review? I did not enjoy the review. Um... Not for any particular reasons. I have, uh, I obviously have the 59 right there. Uh, I really like it, but um, you know what it was? Maybe, you know, maybe they weren't feeling it that day. Maybe it's not their bag of tea. It's a thing. Maybe it's a cup of coffee, however you look at that. Um, but more interesting, there was a lot of information that they can. I think they were confused about. Um, Dane Electro, if you guys don't know, they used to ghost build amps and then guitars for Silvertone and K for Sears and Montgomery Ward. That's an important part of the history there. So Dane Electro um, did that, and believe it or not, in the uh, early 40s or mid to late 40s, I'm doing off memory, guys. Uh, and then uh, somewhere towards the late 50s, they got the great idea to, when they got some new management and I think a new ownership, to stop dealing with the big box uh, Sears stores and stuff and go to mom and pops and try to make a line of it. And it didn't work and they went, they went belly up. And then in the mid 90s, uh, somebody bought the name and brought it all back. Um, so there's a lot of things in the comments that they made that I didn't understand. You know, we're all allowed to disagree, right? We could all disagree. Not everything is the same. Me personally, I enjoyed everything. Actually, the only thing about it, which is what I love about gear and music, all of their points that they thought were negatives, I thought were positives. Um, and the biggest being uh, the 59, I'm going to review it, the red one. I'm going to review it within the next week. So you'll have a review. Um, that guitar actually has a story to it, uh, the red one and why it's here. And um, and I'm, I'm willing to share it with you guys if you want to know. Um, Dane Electro, no secret to this. Uh, I've, I've said this, divul I divulge everything that happens on my channel. Dane Electro sent me some stuff out of the blue. They were one of the few companies that just did that. They didn't ask for anything. They didn't ask for a review. They didn't ask for anything. They just asked my address one day. I got an email saying, hey, Phil, can we have your address? We want to send you something. I had no idea what was coming. And as you guys know, if you're watching the channel, they sent me a pedal and they sent me a guitar. And um, and what happened was 
uh, I was at a guitar center with my buddy Ralph, and I picked up one of the 59s, and I was in love. And I was like, I got to have this. And then at Summer Nam, I picked up another one, and I said, I got to have this. And I kept thinking about buying one. It was on my radar. I really, really liked it. And then finally, you know what? I thought, you know, I've built rapport. I've done some reviews to these guys. I've never really done this before. I've never solicited before, but I'm going to do it. They're my, that was my very first, that red guitar was my very first solicited guitar. And I was, I emailed them and said, please, can I have a guitar? I didn't, I didn't, I just said, you know, I, I'm going to review it. I want to, but I want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not to review it, not to, cause, cause you guys asked for it. I want that guitar and I'll buy it if I have to. Um, but you know, I built this relationship, you know, let's see if I can cash in some of that credit of, you know, uh, brotherly love. <laughs> and, um, they asked me, you know, they said, well, what color would you want? And I said, whatever color you want to send me, I'm asking you guys for a, a, a basically a token. Beggars can't be choosers. I just want the guitar, whatever color you feel, feel see fit. And they sent me the red one, which I end up loving. Cause I like the red. I don't know why I keep pointing that way. So anyways, I really liked the guitar. I was really excited to do the review. And then when I watched that review, I thought, and here's why, here's why I like the guitar so much. What they said was, what Lee said was that it's made in Korea, which is its quality, because that means it's a quality guitar coming out of that nice factory. He said he doesn't know why they did something like an inexpensive guitar like that and made it out of the factory. Why I love the guitar is I've always liked the Dane Electro Silvertone guitars. They always had a cool sound, a cool vibe, but sometimes they don't play right. These guitars play great. In fact, in the video, the only thing they... And this is going to get me in trouble, but I don't care. The only thing they critiqued, they said the action was high. Well, that's their fault. They're the store. Set the action up. They did that. That's not the guitar. If I if I do a review and I say, oh, the guitar's action is high, which I've mentioned that I received it, yeah, but then you adjust it. <laughs> so you don't have to... So you just adjust that. Okay. There you go. So that's what I think. Uh, and I agree that there was a, and, and I also feel bad for the Dan Electro guys. It's probably going to hurt them a lot this Christmas having that video out there. Uh, it's going to damage their, 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 it is, it just is because it wasn't a positive glowing review. No, and I'm not saying they should have to give a positive glowing review to everything. They're uh, entitled to their opinion. And I appreciate and respect them more for having that opinion. In fact, that's something I want to point out too. Lee and Chapman, I respect them for saying what they said. I just didn't agree. So, all right, what do we got? Uh, Alan says it's a beautiful guitar. It is. You know, I won't put this in review. Maybe I will. I don't know. But I'll tell you now. When when Ralph, you guys know Ralph, when he came over uh, after I, I uh, for his birthday, he came over and Joe came over and Ralph played my guitars and Joe played my guitars uh, and the the new Framus. Of course, everybody knows the new Framus. It's amazing. And of course, the Dan Electro. They both told me they liked the Dan Electro the best. Uh, they thought it was a way superior guitar uh, in just the way that what they would want. So, you know, that says a lot about that guitar. Okay. Uh, Jen, uh, Jen guy says, hey, Phil, do you think you'd ever could you could wait? Do you think you could ever be happy with one just just one guitar? Tongue tied. Sorry. Try that again. Could I be happy with one guitar? Absolutely. I even know a guitar I would pick. I really like my PRS Mira. I really like the a, a lot of guitars and and uh, in joking, you know, there's a sign in my in front of my door in my office here in the house that says, uh, you know, in case of fire, please grab my guitar. Some of you guys have seen that sticker. Um, but long story short, I, I tell my wife every time, if there's ever an issue, if you ever can only grab one guitar, grab a Strat. I don't care which one. So that's what makes it easy. I set up all my strats. Uh, instinctively, I bought all my strats the same way. I played them and I, they fit what I liked about them. 
It's just a strat. The copper one would probably be first, then maybe the blue one, my Mexican one. Uh, but to be honest with you, uh, a lot of that logic in grabbing those was in, you know, grab the more expensive ones because it's more expensive. But realistically, playing wise, I could be happy with any strat that I could set up. Um, no problem. I'm just happy that way. So, yeah. So the answer to the question, yeah. Um, okay. Oh, Joe says, uh, any any plans for uh, more chats with Sammy Ash? You know, I love Sammy, and I would love to have him back on, and that's one of those things where I I, I, I pushed off, because the GitCon came, and then after GitCon, I, I had, you know, a, a family issue. Um, and now I feel like things aren't back to normal for me yet, but, you know, at least my, you know, my personal situation is that my, I have a clear head again. At least I can think about stuff in a, in a daily basis without putting all of it, you know, into the personal side. Um, so yeah, I'm going to ask him, you know what? I, I, I'll ask him, I'll, I'll make a point maybe before the end of the year. Would you guys like that? Um, I talked to Phil X and he's up for it too. So, um, yeah, I want to, I'll, I'll ask him. Okay. All right. Here's a long question. Mr. Vinroom 13. I have no idea. Uh, says, hi, Phil. How long does it typically take you, your QA from YouTube to your podcast? I've been waiting eagerly to listen to QA42. Uh, yeah, on my commute. Also really enjoyed the. Yeah, that's Mr. Vinroom. That's 100% my fault. I recognized last night that I didn't do it. So it doesn't take any time at all. Uh, once once the QA is done, uh, I, don't even have to re I don't even have to wait to index it, but I do. I index it. So my the QA is simple. We talk. Then after this goes off the air, uh, hoping that I don't have any problems, I watch it again. <laughs> I have to watch everything I said and index it and QA it. And then hopefully after that, I download it as MP4 and then I shoot it over to SoundCloud and then they share it to um, uh, iTunes. The only thing that I'm aware of is that once I upload it to SoundCloud uh, to get the, I forget what kind of feed you need for that, but you get a feed. It takes 24 hours for uh, iTunes, so I'll I'll make sure I'm more diligent about it. I know I, I know you guys really want that stuff. Nathan just gave me five dollars again. For, <laughs> Nathan, stop giving me five dollars. Stop giving me money, Nathan. Just send a question. You can just text me. <laughs> this is the Coca Pally sells amazing. I need one to drive my LPD uh, Mjolnir. Uh, soon, my board will be only LPD pedals. Haha. <laughs> what are your favorite videos? What are my favorite videos that I've done? Oh, you know, sadly enough, I, I actually, that's kind of a sad question and a, a good question. My favorite videos are, are actually old. So I still love the Sam Ash video. That's one of my favorite videos. Um, I don't actually watch any of the videos. They kind of go in the rear view mirror way. I like that video a lot. I really enjoyed the Breaking the Strings video. Um... You know what? It's the Sam Ash video. Because you know why? It was great because I always think of that day as I had no idea if this was going to work. I have no idea if anyone was going to enjoy this. I had no idea if I was going to find a guitar. <laughs> I was concerned I was going to waste my money, you know what I mean, and not find something cool. So it, so it's still my favorite video. Jack White wants to know, says, Phil, have you tried the Marshall Codamps? I have. Back when I was in Nashville at summer, uh, NAM. I stayed with my buddy Thor at his house, and he had a code amp, and I played it, and I enjoyed it very much. Um, in fact, a lot. And I think he had the 50. So he might have had the 25, but I'm pretty sure he had the 50. Really, really liked it. 
Okay, next question is, uh, Scott says, Hey Phil, big fan for quite a while. Thank you, Scott. And I have a big decision on my hands. I'm choosing between a Pier, PRS Paul's guitar and a Fender Custom Shop Journeyman Telecaster. And I can't decide. Well, first, Scott, you have a really great problem that we all wish we had, I'm sure. <laughs> Those are two fantastic guitars. Um, that's an that's impossible. You know, I can't tell you um, what I would do. You know what I mean? Those are both good guitars. Uh, my issues are different. I, I would... If it was me, I can't. I'll just tell you what I would pick. If somebody, if you were offering, let's say, to change the question, Scott, you bought those two guitars and you just feel very philanthropal and you're going to give one away and you're willing to give me one, which one would I take? If you the two you offered, I would take the Telecaster. Um, I like Paul's guitar, I like PRS, but the Journeyman just it just kind of appeals to me in a cool way. Seems really really cool. But I bet you the PRS is built better. We Backtrack said the Coca-Pelli sounds awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm glad you guys liked that video. Uh, I was really nervous about putting it up uh, because, you know, I've become friends with Lawrence and I, I want to do right by him in any way I can. He's become a good friend. And, um, you know, and I, I, I like the quality of his stuff and I want to make sure that, uh, you, as you can imagine, that the quality of stuff comes through. That pedal especially because... That pedal was a long uh, in the in the long way in the making. Some of you guys actually bought some way before there was even an announcement from him that they came out because there was all these prototypes and stuff. So it was really cool. Okay, next question was. Jin Guy says, what are your businesses now that you don't have a guitar shop? Well, that's a good question. I still do repairs. I do a lot of repairs. In fact, uh, my problem is, is I can't get to some repairs. So some people contact me and say, hey, can I do repair? My problem is now with repairs because of the YouTube channel and everything else, there's only limited time to give to that. So people message me. Um, but to be honest with you, I have more repairs than I, I can't solicit. I can't ask anybody for repairs. I can't do, I can't finish the ones I got now. So that's one. Two, believe it or not, I've been a I consult, and I've been a consultant even when I had my store. I had a consulting company that did all kinds of things. Not even all in this industry. I consult slightly out of our industry, and then that ties into our industry, and I do that as well. So I do that a lot as well. In fact, yesterday, on an average day, I, it's not uncommon for me to spend six hours on a Skype or phone call for a consulting job. So I've done that, been that consistent like that, like I said, before even this before I stopped doing the store. Now, those two things aside, plus having YouTube on my lap, um, part of the consulting thing happens is, is um, I've, I get offered jobs. Since I've had this YouTube channel in uh, what I consider full swing, I've been offered three major jobs, one re just recently. Um, the problem I have is this most recent job I decided I'm not going to take, but the one prior to that and the other one before that, they both stipulation was I had to stop my YouTube channel. So... Okay. Lance Phillips says, what can you tell me about the PV Tracer USA made guitars? They seem very inexpensive for a USA made guitar. Are they worth picking up? I think so. I like those guitars. They're built well. They're basically of that 90s, 80s, 90s quality that we like. They tend to be a little heavy. A lot of the PV guitars tend to be heavy for a lot of reasons. Other than the weight issue of being heavy i always thought they were cool and you're right they they just have horrible resale value which is good 
You know what I mean? It's bad if you have one, you want to sell it, but it's great, like you said, if you want to buy one. They're inexpensive. The only thing is, I just don't see them going up in value. So whatever you buy into it, be, be aware, you probably won't be able to get that or much more than that out of it. So just make sure you buy as, as low as you can. So that's the only thing with the old PV guitars. I highly recommend buying old guitars like that uh, for value sake, but keep in mind, investment sake, it's almost, it's almost hard to tell that they'll ever have an investment ability. The next one is for uh, Gregor. Uh, Gregor gave me, hey Gregor, I, th I think, do I have your guitar yet? Of the five, so Gregor is one of the, uh, uh, one of the five Sharpen My Axe winners. And uh, he was nice enough to give me $25. I appreciate that, Gregor. Um, and um, uh, five people won the Sharpen My Axe. I'm gonna trick them out. I've received three. And tomorrow I start knocking out the videos and doing everything. I have not looked in the guitars. As you guys know, I promise that the video, everything will be videoed, you know, right? Uh, and I'll probably do, so I'm, I'm going to probably do this to make sense if this guy, if this hope, if you guys make sense. Maybe I need more coffee. Um, I'm going to make my typical video that's like anywhere between five to 10 minutes long on each one, but I plan to do a longer version, maybe a 30 minute version, and I'll upload that as well in, uh, and I'll let you guys know when that comes up as well. I'll, I'll be doing two versions of the video. So one for you guys that want to see everything that happened from start to finish, plus something to be cool for the ones that won. They'll have like this history of what happened and then a cut down version that kind of just explains what we did. And, you know, it's easy to digest that way. And, and so I hope you guys enjoy that. I, I thought that would be a fun way to do it. Okay. Next question will be... Okay, uh, the question is, oh, hold on. The question is, is it better to upgrade a lesser expensive guitar or pay premium and get more of what you want? Not looking for resale as I tend to buy very little and keep what I have. Well, you've answered the question. Thank you. I really appreciate this question because you gave me some backstory. Sometimes the questions are hard without backstory. Um, you answered the most important thing I was going to ask you, which is, if you buy an inexpensive guitar and shove stuff into it, you are going, it's, you're not going to recoup your money. And not that that matters to you because you said you tend to keep the stuff and, and you like what you have. So keep that in mind. What I will say is this, if your plan is to buy a lesser expensive guitar and shove stuff into it, try to do as much of that stuff yourself. Make it a learning proposition. Enjoy it. Make it a project that you can enjoy and, and, and learn from. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I used to like that a lot of customers used to do that I thought was really cool is they would do the work and then they would bring it to me and they would pay me to go through and make sure, you know, everything was right. And if I had to recut a knot or do this stuff, and then they would ask me to kind of let them know how did they do. And I would take the time and just say, hey, look, this is what I saw right. This is what I saw wrong. We fixed this. You, you did this well. And I think you learn from that and you become better for it. Every musician should learn to do a little work, especially in the world. Now, here's an important thing too. In the world where cheap guitars are so readily available and they're pretty good, I mean, they're really good. If you can just learn to fix them just a little bit, you can take any, any one of these now affordable guitars and just make them awesome. And that's the big trick. So, uh, so to answer your question, I think you should do, uh, it, I think if you're up for the project and you're really to put a little money in it and have exactly what you want, you should go for it. You'll have a, a great project, a great time. And if you're going to keep it, you don't have to worry about the fact that the resale is going to suck. That's the main draw is, you know, if you buy a Squire and shove $300 within it, it's still worth what a Squire is worth. So you lose all that upgrade. 
Uh, Dylan87, sponsor of the channel. Thank you. Uh, here's uh, $20 for the Chapman Fund. Uh, love your channel. I've been watching for years. Thank you, Dylan87. And uh, yeah, the Chapman Fund. Some of you guys were really cool and sent me some links to places where you think you you found some Chapman guitars. I really am going to review a guitar, uh, Chapman guitar. That is my plan, like I told you. Unbiased, unfiltered, not connected to them in any one, in, in any way. Uh, bought by us. Or bought by me. Well, now you guys, because you guys have added to the fund. <laughs> so, uh, so, and and I'll take my pummeling when it comes out, whatever it is, good or bad. Uh, Eric says, "Hey Phil, hoping to pick up a PV Classic 50. Should I get a head or combo? Uh, if combo, should I go with a 212 or a 410? Thanks for your opinion. Uh, I prefer heads and cabinets. That's just my preference. There's no logic to it." A combo is definitely outsells combos. So let me give you some information, Eric. Combos outs outsell heads like five to one. It's why companies th have problems with heads, and the reason is is because it makes no sense. Uh, combo. Think of this: a, a 50 watt amp with a 112 cabinet. The amp could be a thousand dollars, but the head will be eight hundred dollars, and the cabinet will be five hundred dollars. Exponentially, that's a lot more expensive for it gets you to the same spot. One of the reasons I like heads, and I've said this before, is I like to take. Uh, amplifiers and turn them down, but put them through bigger cabinets. So I prefer putting a 20 watt amp through a 212 cabinet, or you know, putting a, a 5 watt amp through a 412 cabinet. So I like the head and cabinet idea. And if it was me, I like the 212. The 410 is an exotic kind of sound. It's a little fizzier. It's got some magic to it. The 212 is more traditional and easier. I would recommend if you don't have a love for 412. So if you haven't decided that about yourself yet, get the 212. It's a safer proposition every time. The 410 is a great cabinet. I highly recommend. I have one and I really like it, but I wouldn't ever pick that as me my main cabinet. You've got to really have a like, uh, uh, an ear that likes having smaller speakers. The smaller speakers tend to have some punchiness to them. They tend to do things at a lower volume. In other words, they distort a little quicker, which is nice, but they also have a fizzierness to them and less less rounder bass response. It's more of a tighter punchy sound. So hope that helps. LZXMX says, when's Ralph coming back for another video? I'm going to, I got to switch. Remember, he's, he, he can only come on Saturdays. And then the one Saturday he came was his birthday. And we just made some steaks and talked guitars. So maybe we'll do it next weekend. That'll be a, that'll be a good plan. Or uh, we have Oh, you know what? This is a great question. Um uh I, I think it's John High. No, John. John says, Hi Phil, love your channel. Do left handed guitars have left handed pots? That's a good question. Now what's funny is this is where it gets a little tricky for me. The PRS guys told me they have to put left-handed pots in there. <laughs> Wiring of guitars, I've never seen a left-handed pot. If I want a pot to go the other way, I just solder it differently. Think of it like a, a pipe. Think of a, a, of a volume potentiometer as being a, a pipe. There's whether the, I can set, I can cap one end off and then the water comes in, you know, one way, or I can cap the other on and the water comes in the other way. In other words, on a potentiometer, I can make the start point and stop by start start point and stop point on different terminals. So I would imagine you need a left-handed potentiometer, but you would just wire it that way. 
I could be wrong because, like I said, I keep hearing people mention left-handed pots, and I've replaced g- pots on left-handed guitars many times, and I just wired it the correct way. So I'm gonna say no. It's just how you wire it. I would like to hear your comments on that. If you guys really, especially left-handed players, I've I've repaired a lot of left-handed guitars, but you know, even rewiring left-handed guitars, I mean, probably two or three out of thousands of guitars I wired up. So, so that's where it gets a little tricky. So Lewis is saying, yes, they do. See, like I said, but the trick is, is it a is it a built custom potentiometer or are they wiring like me opposite? <laughs> when you, you know what? I, I, I think I've Googled and I've never found them. So I'm pretty sure I'm right that you just wire them the way you want to wire them. So, okay, so Kurt's saying that is incorrect on the wiring. So, so in other words... But that's how you can wire. You can wire a potentiometer to to start and stop at any any point. Because I've had customers request it and I've done it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Aaron says, I'm a guitarist who is getting more into the bass world. I hear you referencing you play bass. Is there any chance of getting tips on bass reviews? Um, yeah, I, I do mix in a couple bass videos here and there. So I, I do do it. The trick is I, I just, I don't own a lot of bass gear. I really refined what I like on the bass gear and that's what I play. Cause I'm trying to get one bass sound. Guitar, I'm trying to get mini sounds depending on my mood and what I'm doing. But bass is just one sound. And CDN Lee says, do you have any preferences to nut widths on your guitars? Uh, like 43 millimeter or 42 millimeter? No, I don't. I used to think I did because I used to think the Mexican strats didn't feel the same as the American strats because of the nut width difference. But no, after a while, there's just stuff I, I don't care about. I try not to get hung up on certain things because it'll make you crazy, especially if you own a bunch of different guitars. So fret wire size, I try to stay away from that. I try not to love jumbo or hate, you know, vintage fret wire. I, I have a preference, but same thing. Um, if you get too fixated on a sty- on the style of guitar, you'll really have to just get down to one kind of guitar to feel comfortable. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I don't really, I don't really do that. Ben, ben, ben says, hey, Phil, do you have any other interests besides guitars? No, none, not at all. I, uh, I usually make all my friends nuts because I just, that's all I talk about. So, uh, yeah, nothing. No other, no, no motorcycles, no nothing. Just guitar stuff. Okay, so Dave's saying pots turn either clockwise or or anti-clockwise as you look down on them. That's all you need for a left hand or a right hand. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I agree. I don't think there's a special potentiometer for it. The, the actual way it turns is not specific. It's just, like I said, in the wiring, you can mess with it. You can change things up. Okay, you can, oh, that's the same one. Oh yeah, B. Barry says, hey, you like Van shoes? I do, but that's not a hobby. I just like Vans. 
Some of you guys will probably remember this. I, I like Vans uh, because when I was growing up, you know, cool kids to me were, were skater kids. They had Vans. I asked my parents for a pair of Vans. I asked my mom for a pair of Vans. And uh, she we looked at them and she said they were too expensive. Um, the irony of this story is that she bought me another pair of shoes that cost the same. Uh, to, I think to me, my parents looked at it like the Vans looked cheap and they didn't want to spend the money. So when I got my first real job, I bought Vans. <laughs> I've been buying them ever since. So... Okay, James is saying, hey, Phil, do you agree with the guitarologist that Guitar Center will not last now that they're rated a CCC minus? I don't agree. Um, here's what he's missing. He's missing some information. So what happens, okay? First of all, Guitar Center, so if you guys don't know what happened, Guitar Center's got their credit rating uh, downgraded again. So at this point, uh, they have to, if they were gonna, Guitar Center was going to buy a car, they have to go to a buy here, pay here car dealership and have a co-signer. It's a little joke. Anyways, the point is, is the Guitar Center's credit rating has been downgraded again. It was downgraded, I believe, in September and maybe in May. Either way, this is the second or third downgrade this year. The downgrade puts them right above bankruptcy imminent. The important part is the bankruptcy part. Guitar Center may be forced, and it looks like it's not evident, but close, that they'll have to file bankruptcy, a Chapter 11. They're not looking to file a Chapter 7. They're going to do a reorganization of Chapter 11. Let me explain this to you. Guitar Center is profitable. They just can't make enough money to pay their debt. That's an important part. They have viable businesses. Musician's Friend is a viable business. It's profitable. Music and Arts has a rental program. That is a viable business. A lot of the Guitar Center stores are profitable. Some of the Guitar Center stores are not profitable. What I would imagine is going to happen... And we'll see. We'll, you know, we'll reference this video in a year and see who's right. You know, he could be right. I could be right. But I'm really betting on me. Here's why. Guitar Center will, if they file for Chapter 11, kind of like American Airlines and a ton of other companies that have filed, one of two things could happen or both. One, they could be bought out by a hostile takeover. Once you file for Chapter 11, you're in distress. A company would pretty much want to acquire you on pennies on the dollar. So could an investment company come by Guitar Center? Yes. Would they? Yes, because as much as we hate Guitar Center, they are a dominant force, like 30% of the market. So even if guitars, even if the theory is that no one's going to retail stores anymore, Guitar Center is still a heavy player in the internet world and dominant in this industry. So it, it, it is a viable business to buy if it isn't loaded with debt, which would be shed off in a bankruptcy. Now, if they don't get bought, and they file Chapter 11 to reorganize, because that's what would happen. It's a restructure or reorganization. They would probably close a bunch of stores that are the lowest profit stores, shut off some creditors, you know, which is going to suck for the creditors, and reorganize and come back differently uh, with a better business model in play. But more importantly, it's judges, the judge will decide in the bankruptcy what happens with the company. But the company just has to prove to the court that the bankruptcy will, it's like, think of it like surgery. They're going to take out the unhealthy organs so that the body can live. That's what a bankruptcy 
for a business like a chapter 11 is to, to do is to restructure the debt. They will uh, settle, resettle the debt. In other words, if they owe, I heard like $600 million in 2019, uh, that will get restructured. So they'll pay some portion of that to the creditors in the restructuring. And that, and that change of how they will pay the debt will help them stay viable because, again, they make money. They're not in distress because they don't make money. They're distressed because they acquired too much debt over time. And there's a lot of reasons for that. When Bain Capital bought them, they shoved $400 million into that company of debt. There's a ton of things that went wrong with Guitar Center. And not to get into the politics of that, but the truth is when that happened, the theory was they were a public company, Bain bought them, made them private, shoved $400 million in debt in them, figured at the rate they were going in a couple years, offer a public offering again, clear out of that debt and make money. And then the recession came. And then the world changed to the internet. So Guitar Center just hasn't have a way, they don't have a way to unload the debt that's been acquired. So I think what you're going to see in the next year or so is maybe a chapter 11 reorganization with a bunch of store by you maybe closing you know where i live there's five of them i can't imagine all five survive they'll probably pick the three top performing stores or two stores and go with those push a new business model and play now let's talk about if the guitarologist is right there's actually a horrible horrible thing to think about if guitar center does close you can scream ding dong the witch is dead however you gotta understand when best buy got in this industry a few years ago and then got out Okay, because they decided that Best Buy got into the music business because they thought the margins were really good. What they realized was the demand isn't very high. So, yeah, you get to make more per item. You get to make more than you do on a on a DVD and a stereo, but you don't get to sell as many guitars and amps. So when they got out of it, they're still offloading inventory from that. You got to understand Guitar Center, if they go into bankruptcy, even the liquidation, they're not going to liquidate that inventory in a month. It'll take a year, two years to sell that inventory. Meanwhile, Mama Pops will be really struggling because it's not like the old days where Guitar Center would liquidate at their store. They're going to liquidate online as well. So no one's going to walk into their local Mom and Pop store and buy a $500, $600 Mexican Strat when they're still out there being liquidated. And once they go into liquidation mode, they can't be enforced to, to buy MAP. So if Guitar Center goes under... It's going to hurt a lot of people, not just Guitar Center. It's going to hurt the vendors. And then think about this. And then the vendors that have chose to stay away from Guitar Center. Let's talk about the smart companies. Let's take a company that doesn't deal with Guitar Center, okay? They don't sell guitars to Guitar Center. They only sell to mom and pops. They've stayed away from Guitar Center. Well, the brands that have been heavy in Guitar Center, when they lose that customer, they're going to go to the stores and the online entities that, that they haven't been at. And then that's gonna increase the competition and it's gonna hurt the, so the businesses that stayed away from Guitar Center actually will have to now fight the brands that have been so heavy in Guitar Center because they gotta, they can't, like Gibson Fender, they're not gonna just go, okay, well, I guess we lose our biggest client. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're gonna go to the mom and pops, they're gonna go to the independents or they're gonna push their own online to make up the difference. And Fender has an online presence, but they don't really push it. So all these things are a big deal. This is going to really change things. But I really think what's going to happen is Guitar Center will reorganize and do a Chapter 11 reorganization and restructure. And I think the government's going to allow that to happen because unlike, uh, let's pick another example, Mervyn's, when Mervyn's went under, Mervyn's didn't have control of the market. So if Mervyn's went under, you had Kohl's, you had Target, you had a ton of entities, the market survives. If Guitar Center goes under, you know there's no Guitar Center again. 
Sam Ash. I love Sammy Ash. You guys seen him in the show. Great guy. Great store. Great chain. Sweetwater. Great store. Great chain. I just bought a bunch of my recording gear from Sweetwater. Great stores. They cannot acquire Guitar Center. There's no way. They're not even close to the same kind of money that that's talking about to acquire that business. So, so there's nobody in our industry to ex absorb the mess of Guitar Center. It's become too much of a behemoth. Uh, for anybody in our industry. So the only ones that can buy them is going to be probably be investment groups outside of our industry, which is where I think what's going to happen in a chapter 11. Somebody will, an investment group will buy it because it's a viable, it's a viable, profitable business if you can shuck off the debt, right? Uh, uh, and last kind of thought process is imagine if you had a lot, a lot of credit card debt and then one day it just all went away and your income stayed the same. All of a sudden you get to keep all your money you're making. That's what will happen with them. So I think that's what's going to happen. So, and that might all happen and not, not even see it, you know. Another good example, like I said, American Airlines filed bankruptcy and somebody bought them. It happens. So, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, Ed says, hey, are musicians friend and Guitar Center affiliated? Affiliated, yes. In fact, more than affiliated. Guitar Center does own musicians friend and music and arts. They own them outright. Those are two entities in the in the portfolio of Guitar Center. So Musicians Friends solely, because they're not a public company, it's solely owned by Guitar Center. So again, that's what I'm talking about assets. Guitar Center could sell off Musicians Friend, okay, in a bankruptcy. They could sell off Music and Arts and get the revenue from that. Uh, you know, like I said, all they do is they present to the courts what they want to do. Like I said, think of it like I told you about. It's an unhealthy body. It's got to move some organs. Like, hey, I don't need both my kidneys, okay? I'll sell one of my kidneys. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to sell off some stuff. I'll close these stores. In other words, like, I'll stop drinking as much and I won't smoke anymore. You know what I mean? That's what's going to happen to bankruptcy. They, they go to the courts and they say, look, we'll, we'll change the way we were. We, we have a plan now because they have to convince the, the courts that they have a plan that's going to work. Hey, with this new business model and the debt reduced, we can survive. So, and I'm sure it's not going to be hard for them to get a lot of the vendors that have been supporting them to, uh, to support that. Again, I'm not pro Guitar Center at all. Uh, just that's what I think will happen based on what I know about the industry. Let's see. Yeah, see, and somebody's agreeing with me. Music and Arts and Musician's Friend will just be sold off in the Chapter 11. I agree. Yeah, um, they might sell them off because uh, you know why? They can get a lot of money for them and then that will help. Like I said, they're just going to reduce all their debt restructure. It's it's never as easy as they just go away. You know, Blockbuster Video went away because no one wanted to buy DVDs that way anymore. We go to Netflix now. We found a new business model. Everybody watches movies. We just don't do it the same way we did. People still buy guitars. You know, we're not, it's not like, it's not like it's a viable pro, uh, a, not a viable business anymore. So, Oh, the question is who might buy Musician Friend? You know, I don't know. You'd have to Google because they're private companies. Ever since Guitar Center is not public anymore, it's harder to find the information. You'd have to find out how much Musician's Friend's worth. You know what I mean? And what's it worth to a company? You know, think about Sam Ash. They have an online presence. So would they want, you know, Musician's Friend just because it's a bigger online presence? Same with Sweet Otter. I don't know. Couldn't tell you who would. My guess is a lot of these, a lot of these companies will get sold to investment companies. That's what happens in our industry a lot. Investors come in and and buy stuff so they can so they can turn it into a slight a very profitable company and sell it off and make money because they just want to sell it off it's an exit strategy it's how fast can i turn something into profit and then get rid of it so all right um next question is for some reason i can't oh colon 
Okay, for some reason, I can't stand thin short scale necks, okay, on any guitar, and because of that, Gibson guitars don't really work for me. My perfect guitar is a custom-built SG with a Starcaster neck. Yeah, I can understand that, you know. Um, I've talked about that before. Sometimes, you know, musicians are, we're all different, and sometimes I you want a neck that fights you a little bit. You know, big neck with big strings. Sometimes it's just, you know... I, I find, you know, if the neck is, like you agree, I agree with you. The neck's too thin, too short, too easy to play. I tend to play scales instead of chords. You know, I instinctively, and I don't know if you guys do this or not, and if you do, and if you, you know, do, let me know. And if you don't, think about it. If You you can give me a guitar, if you hand me a certain kind of guitar, like a thin neck guitar, really easy to play, I just sit there and play scales. <laughs> I'm not a scale player. I'll just do it. Um, if you give me a big girthy, you know, Les Paul neck with uh, 11s on it. I don't play scales. I just kind of hit chords and feel how good the big open chords sound. So, yeah. So it might be your style. Your your playing style just isn't conducive to that style. Uh, Jet Black says, Hey, Phil, have you ever tried a mini humbucker? Uh if you mean the mini ones, like small ones in the Les Pauls, I, I have, and I really like them. That's why Les Paul, our PRS did the uh, near field pickups, which are kind of like that. I really like the way they sound. I've never really liked how the way they look. I think that's what everybody has the problem with. Sometimes because people don't like the way they look, you could score cool guitars with them in there. But I've always liked them. Like the Seymour Duncan mini humbucker, really dig it. I always wanted to put one in the neck position on my telly. For a while, I remember Fender did a hot rod telly and it had that mini humbucker in the neck and it just sounded so good that was such a good pickup that's what kind of got me excited about him for a while phil please get ian thornley and big wreck for a skype interview he's awesome and he does interviews with channels like yours oh okay so i want to mention it so i can put it in the index so we can come back to it later you know, actually, I want to go back to something else, too, on the Guitar Center thing. I have a great idea. You know what I'll do when I do the index? I'm going to put, um, you know, do you want to see Guitar Center stay open or do you want to see Guitar Center close? And then I'll put those comments in the index right here at this timestamp. And you guys just hit the thumb ups and thumbs down on those. We'll do it like a survey. Would you like to see them go away or would you like to see them stay? I'm always curious about that. It's, it's funny. It's one of those businesses everybody's like, I hate them, but yet they're the biggest, so... I never know what that really means. Chris K says, so Sweetwater is great. Yep. I just bought a ton of stuff from Sweetwater this week. I, uh, I bit the bullet. I'm going to sell off a bunch of my gear, uh, to, I bit the bullet and bought a bunch, a bunch of recording gear and video gear and stuff. And so Ed Bailey's reminding us that, yep, today's Dimebag Daryl's rest in peace. This is the day he passed away. So. Everybody take a moment of silence for, for a dime bag. Okay, so... Phil Smith, Phil Smith says, let the market decide. Yeah. Yeah, he says, I have no dog in the game. Let the market decide. I agree. Like I said... I, like I said, I, if they close, I know it's going to be hardship for a little while, but then it'll go. It's like a, you know, just like anything. I, I personally, so you know, I've kind of, I, I, I bought some gear at Guitar Center a couple months ago. Some of you guys maybe mentioned that, and I, 
it was really a horrible experience if you think about it. Some of the gear, in fact, you know the headphones? I told you guys that everything they suggested me was bad. They suggested some headphones. I didn't know anything about recording stuff. So I, I just had to go in there and I thought if I went in there and asked somebody in the recording department, that help have, you know, uh, and everything they suggested was not that great. So I returned a lot of it. I bought some stuff this week from Sweetwater. One of the things I got, headphones. The headphones I got from Sweetwater are a thousand times better than the ones I got from Guitar. They were exactly the same price. So it's funny to me how, and I and, I, and it's not because of Sweetwater rep. I didn't talk to them, so I can't really accolade Sweetwater. What I did is just do what, what everybody does. I went, on, I went on YouTube and watched reviews. So it's funny to me how powerful just watching like all of us watching each other and talking and watching the videos, you can learn so much more than you could from experienced people in the sales industry sometimes. Okay. Oh, Greg's got uh, Wilcut guitars. Yeah, Wilcut. And he's, he's saying he's, he's a great store. Wilcut, I bought from them. They're a great store. Most of the online stores I've bought from. Wilcut, Wildwood, Wild West. Uh, Marty's, uh, Chicago Music Exchange, <laughs> Crazy Dave's. Um, I could go for 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 days. What did, headphones did I end up with? Oh, that's a good question. I got these, the AKG K two forty Studios for like sixty nine bucks. I really like them. They sound good. They seem pretty good. They came highly reviewed. You know, I know they're not super expensive, but so you know, I tend to abuse. I was trying to see what the other ones are, the ones I got from Guitar Center. I can tell I don't. I don't know. I just put them somewhere. Um, uh, headphones for me. I know you can get really crazy good ones and expensive ones. The problem is, is I'm just listening to my voice. I'm not listening to, you know, tons of guitar playing and stuff. Uh, so I'll, I use monitors for that. So. I just want something that sounded pretty decent. So Ed's like, I probably learned it most from you. Well, I think we learned from each other. I've watched a lot of Ed Dana's stuff on his channel about, uh, I, I, I like it when I, I told you this before, Ed, you, you know, I like it when you talk about the live band situations and what you're dealing in the band situation. You know, when you talk about the Blues Junior, when you talk about why, you know, to me, I love hearing a working musician tell me that a Blues Junior is sometimes a better choice than a Hot Rod Deluxe because it's better on your back. What what better advice can you give somebody than, hey man, sometimes it's as easy as when you're walking from the stage to your car and it's a half a block away, this is the amp you pick. And people sometimes forget that. And when, when you don't mention that to somebody and the first time they gig with something and it weighs 60 pounds, we've all experienced that. I have a friend who works in an inner city and he's like 412s going up because he plays in basements and upstairs and clubs. They have basements, clubs and basements and clubs upstairs. He goes, sometimes you play 100 watt head in a 412. He goes, carrying it up in, sta in the stairs and the tight angles and stuff they have. He goes, it's a nightmare. So, and you know, it's funny is that's not the exciting gear talk. That's not the sexy, you know, tone talk, but it's practical and it's important if you're, if you're going to do that stuff. Yeah, flat response for problem mixing. Well, that's why I use the monitors I like. So, Brent wants to know, Phil, Cocapelli versus OCD thoughts. 
you know, honest to God, they're so different, but I can't tell you this. The OCD is definitely a more utility type pedal. You can use it for a ton of things, but to give a shout out to Lawrence, he's got the 68 that will do that just as well. I think the 68 is just as universally useful as the OCD. Now, um, that being said, the OCD is a classic. It's very useful. The Cocapelli is a, is a specific sound that you're going for. It's a fun pedal to have in the collection. That's why I like that he didn't make it $300 because some pedals just, you know, it, it, if it's 300 bucks and it doesn't do everything, it's a hard thing to keep, you know, using all the time. But so, yeah. Um, so that's the verse on those. They're, they're different. Obviously the OCD is less money. It's cool. I mean, it's hard. It's a hard thing for, to win, but the Cocapelli has a sound that you can't get from a lot of pedals because like I said, how it has like a fuzz tone to it and it's an overdrive pedal. All right, next next question is, and I love it that you guys talk to each other and interact with each other. I'm watching your guys' comment back and forth. That's why I hate for it to go quiet when I'm doing the show, but man, I really like that you guys help each other out and mention things to each other. It's a great way to build a community on this. Okay, so Joe's got a question, and it's a good one uh, for, for this subject. It says, hey, Phil, did you happen to try the Mesa Boogie Mark 535 before you got the 25-watt? I thought the 25-watt would be better for me with bedroom playing, but I've heard the 35 actually has better low volume. Okay, so when I bought the 25, I bought it right when it came out. And uh, so the 35 was not even in, you know, in the thought process yet, and I've never even played the 35. And part of the reason I haven't played the 35 is I prob I suspect that it's going to be better. I, I and so you know and if the reviews are saying it even sounds better quieter, I suspect that to be true too. I bet you it is. I bet you it's got a little bit more fullness to it. It sounds like a, you know a better amp. And there's a couple things to mention for me. One, the Mark 525. I've already paid for it. So to sell it and lose 400 bucks and then take the money I lost and roll that into a more expensive amp, it is sometimes not appealing to get. 10% better. Everything's got a practicality to it. But the other thing is, I really like, one of the things I like about the 25 watt is it's so tiny. It's the tiniest amp I own and it's loud. So it, it so there's, there you go. But yes, um, if you're hearing the 35, I would, if I was going to guess the 35 would be better. My experience is uh, sometimes even at lower volumes, the, the, when we're not talking about 100 watt amps, but the Mark fives don't, they're not like a Marshall. You don't have to turn the the volume up to get the amp to break up. The amp has its own high gain circuit. So if it's at like the it's like the EVH stuff. If the if if the gain if the gain is coming off the gain knob and not actual volume knob, a master, you you can play at any volume. I could take the 5150 100 watt head uh, and play quiet on it, even though it's 100 watts, just because I'm saturating it with the the preamp gain, not the power amp. You just don't get the fullness of the power amps. Somebody's like, what generation OCD? I've never played any of the first generation OCDs, Metalhead. Um, I've only played the most recent ones. I'll, I've, I've seen the videos. I've heard everybody say that like one to three is the best and then four is this. And that stuff starts giving me a headache after a while. I'm like, isn't it supposed to be the same pedal? I understand like the tube screamers are slightly all different too, but... Somebody asked me, why doesn't more companies use Seymour Duncan pickups and basses? That's Ed Bailey. Well, they're good pickups. 
I don't know. Probably because Seymour Duncan's not his dominant name in the bass industry as it is in the guitar industry. You know, think of this. In the bass industry, uh, Bartolini, EMG, um, they would have a stronger market on the bass side, right? So look at Ibanez. Ibanez uses a lot of uh, lace and, not lace, sorry, uh, they use a lot of Bartolini and EMGs for their bass guitars if they use premium, you know, pickups. So that's why. Just marketing. When a company puts brand name pickups in a guitar, yeah, it's to make the guitar sound better by sound, but it's also to to squeeze that marketing juice. You know what I mean? Get that, get that, get the money. You know, if they're gonna upsell you $150, $250 for the, the instrument having those pickups, they want the brand to bring that value. So that's what that's what helps a lot. Lawrence says he likes the second and third generation OCD. That's all I hear too. <laughs> So, and that's why they're like 250 bucks for one of those versus like a hundred bucks used for a, a newer one. But the million dollar question is when I watch the reviews, like you guys, I watch somebody review one and they're AB in it and I go, yeah, I think the first, I think the, the, the first one, the second and third one sounded better. I don't know if it's $150 better, but maybe it is. Sometimes it is. Phil, do you think the Fender Deluxe 40 watt good for home? Yeah, you're talking about the head they made for a little while. That's the 40 Deluxe, the Deluxe 40. You're talking about that amplifier they made for a little while with with uh, effects and stuff. I liked it. If it's the amp I'm thinking of, I liked it. I think I like the Super Champ better. Says, uh, Seth wants to know, Phil, what's the average cost of a truss rod adjustment and is it worth it going to a Guitar Center? So, Guitar Center... I, I don't want to slam a company and I don't have a company. So I'm not like using that whole, like, Hey, you know, I don't want to slam a competitor for this, but the, the truth is guitar center is dodgy on their, their people. They, they hire a lot of candidates from, from Luthery schools. And to me, it's like when they hire, it's like when hospitals hire somebody right out of a, a certificate school to do some kind of, you know, service there at the hospital, they're new and they're green and you know, they, they're going to run amok. Uh, they got to learn and they're going to learn on your guitars. So sometimes you, you want to, don't vet the company. Don't go guitar center is good because it's a big store chain. It's credible. Go to the tech and go, what's your experience? How long you been doing this? You know, have you seen my guitar before? Have you ever worked on a guitar like mine before? Um, but for trust rod adjustments, you know, you can make trust rod adjustments yourself. So... Hopefully we'll see a little bit of uh, that with this uh, Sharp My Axe thing. I, I, I want to start doing some real stuff. And right, part of the reason of this contest idea was, was if I show you a video and I go, this is how I set up a guitar, that's great. But in this video, hopefully what's going to happen, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to open the box and I'm going to have to see what problems are. And I want you guys to see the diagnostics. What am I looking at when I'm looking at the problems? That's what you're paying somebody to figure out. What not how not to do something on your guitar. You can watch a video and do that. Just go watch the video and go, okay, do this. You're looking for somebody to figure out the things that can't that you don't know what the problem is. But if you know your your truss rod needs adjustment, I suggest you just learn to adjust it. Okay, Frank says, how many guitars do you think you buy, sell, trade in a year? Well, this year I didn't sell any, I don't think. I don't think I sold a guitar this year. And the main reason is, is because I've been, as the channel's gotten bigger, I've been weirder about selling gear because you guys read a lot into it. <laughs> you guys are like, oh, he must hate that guitar. And I'm like, nah, just find a better guitar. Um, I don't know. 
buy, sell in a trade year? Feels like, if you watch my videos, it probably feels like one a month, but it's not. It's probably six, one every two months. So I go in spurts. That's actually a better thing. I can go in one month, I can buy five guitars and then I could go six, seven months and not do anything. It just depends what I'm up to and what I find, how well the home finances are doing, the kids, the wife, you know what I mean? The bills are paid. <laughs> you guys are talking about the wild audio guitars. They, yeah, they're not my cup of tea. Okay, so let's do... Phil Smith says, can you convince me that I would need a Mesa Mini rectifier or not if it would already have a Mesa Mark V 25? No, uh, Phil, so you know, I had both the Mini rectifier and the Mesa Mark V and I like them both for different reasons. But ultimately what I decided was I sold the Mini rectifier off this year and I really like that amp. I've, I've always liked it. I've liked it since I got it. And the main reason was I found myself just playing the Mesa Mark not because it was better. It's just it it the the mini rec can't do what the Mesa Mark V does, but the Mark V can kind of do what the rec divider does. Does that make sense? So, so there you go. All right. <laughs> v Man says I buy like a guitar every eighteen years or so. You know, you know, but there's a difference. Like I said, I always remind you guys. Collect. I collect guitars. That's why when people are like, how many guitars do you need? I'm like, well, I need one because I got to play guitar. And for me, it's as simple as a Strat. And that logic isn't because Strats are great. They're not perfect. Over time, collecting guitars, you start realizing like, yeah, you can really cut this down to the basics. And the basics is I just need six strings, a pickup, you know, a humbucker in it. You know, it needs to stay in tune. Um, I, I'm just practicing and enjoying playing guitar. But but having guitars and messing with them is sometimes more so than more than just playing guitars you know what i mean rock stars did it too look at rock stars they'll have the guitars they play on stage and then you go you watch them at home and they're like oh i, I bought this guitar because it was owned by so-and-so or i bought this guitar for so-and-so i have a steve i gem because i just you know when i was a kid he steve i was kind of cool and i thought oh it would be cool to have a gem so nothing wrong with collecting stuff i want to thank everybody today there were 705 of us watching right now there was like 750 i think is where we capped out or 740 something like that a lot of you guys, I really appreciate it. I appreciate uh, everyone who's asked questions. And I, I really like that you guys were helping each other out with questions and talking amongst yourself. And let's see if there's any last thoughts that are important. Let's see. So uh, Doug wants to know what I think of the Fishman Fluence pickups. I haven't tried them yet. I need to do that because I'm a big fan of Frank Falbo and he's pretty much the guy behind that. So... Okay, do you know where a standard PRSSE are produced this year, Korea? Okay, so the question by Bat uh, Mount was, hey Phil, do you know where the standard, the PRS standard series SEs are made? Indonesia. It's not Korea. It's pretty much uh, Indonesia. I haven't heard that they switched to Korea. I wouldn't be surprised they did, uh, did, because you know I don't think Indonesia is working out for them the way they hoped. But um, as far as I know, they're Indonesia. That's how they got the price point down. So. Uh, and then uh, Mike wants to know, is that a Jamascus behind you? It is a Jamascus behind me, right over there. It is. 
part of my what I talked about was I said I'm gonna, I'm gonna start reviewing some of the gear I have that is, you know, not so like new and fresh. You know, it's the newest thing. Let's just talk about cool gear that I that I think is cool for a lot of reasons. So. Yes, uh, Phil says you need a, uh, uh, winter NAM predictions. I did my predictions video uh, the last two years. I will do it this month for next year, uh, what I predict and stuff, and see how good I did. Sometimes I do okay, sometimes not so much. Um, I'm very excited about NAM. Uh, so you guys know I've really come up with some really interesting stuff to do that I think you'll enjoy. And even if you don't, I I'm going to enjoy it because that's what I really thought about was what would I want to do? I'm, I'm, what would I do if I could run amok at the NAM show? That, and so I'm very excited about these videos. It's going to be a lot of work though. I think this is going to be the hardest I've ever worked ever. I was doing the doing the calculations. I think it's, I'm, I'm probably going to walk in when it opens and probably have to get kicked out at close at the end of the day. Um, Mikey Newman says, Chapman Fund. Oh, thanks, Mikey. Thank you. I appreciate that. They, uh, so I thank you very much. And so now I'm definitely reviewing a Chapman guitar <laughs> at this point. It's, it's going to happen. So, and I appreciate you guys hanging out today. I had a, I had a blast. Um, next week, well, same time, same channel. It'll be uh, uh, 3 o'clock on Friday. We'll keep it. And um, I'll talk to Ralph if we can do a Saturday one. We'll, we'll, we'll knock that in. And then, like you guys said, I'll talk to Sam Yash. And, of course, uh, I need to follow up with Phil X because you guys still talked about having him. And uh, so you can ask him questions. And I'm just... And that's it. And I hope you guys appreciate... Or appreciate I guess you, I want to say I appreciate you guys for hanging out with me today, as always. And uh, I'm going to let you guys go. And until next time, thank you for your guys' time. And uh, know your gear.